Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Greetings, friends. Hope you had a good Labor Day weekend and welcome to this latest edition of the Bill Press Pod. Well, with Labor Day behind us, it's now nine weeks until Election Day, November 8th. We are off to the races. Most attention, of course, focused on those big Senate campaigns in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, Ohio, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Florida, and New Hampshire, where Democrats have a good chance of not only retaining control of the Senate, but maybe increasing their majority. Great interest in the House as well, where Republicans hold the edge, but Democrats are gaining and could still block a Republican takeover. And then, so important, there are all those down-ballot races for state legislatures, secretary of state, election officials, and school boards, which never get enough attention, but are increasingly important these days because MAGA Republicans are targeting them as part of their plan to undermine our democracy. But here's the good news. There's a new effort underway to focus on and win those down-ballot races, all led by a relatively new political organization called ARENA. ARENA's managing partner, Lauren Fair, joins us on today's podcast to remind us what's at stake in this election and how we can help. Lauren Baer, welcome to the Bill Press Pod. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Bill. So uh, last week, President Biden went to Philadelphia to Independence Hall, gave a very, very strong speech in which he told the American people, our democracy is on the line in 2022. Uh, Do you agree? Is our democracy in peril? And if so, what can we do about it? It is, Bill. Um, And the speech that Biden gave is the speech that I've been waiting uh, for someone to give for for some time. And and by way of context here, I work in domestic politics now, but my background is in foreign policy. And Mm -hmm. I spent six years as a senior official in the Obama administration. And my job was to advise the Secretary of State on democratization uh, and democratic backsliding uh, worldwide and to raise red flags when other countries were in democratic decline. And what has frightened me so much uh, over the last five years in our country, starting after the 2016 election and growing at an alarming rate, is the number of red flags that I have seen here in the United States, Um, whether that's demonization of the press, scapegoating, of minority groups, restrictions on voting rights, questioning of free and fair elections. Um, All of the signs are here that our democracy is in danger. And as President Biden stated loud and clear in his speech, American democracy isn't something that we can take for granted. Most democracies around the world 
um, have failed. They, they have slid back into autocratic type regimes. And all of the signs are right now that there's a faction of the American right um, that would prefer a form of government governance uh, that is not democratic. And so I think it's up to all of us uh, in the run up to November and, and then afterwards to be doing absolutely everything we can to, to send a loud and clear signal that it's important that we preserve the, the rights and values and form of governance um, that we hold so dear in this country. Is this an organized effort across the country uh, to undermine uh, our basic, basic uh, democratic free election system? I think it is an organized effort at this point. If you look, for example, who's leading it? Who's leading it? Um, you know, there there are certainly members uh, of the Republican Party and in factions supported by Donald Trump um, who are, for example, actively trying to take over uh, the offices. Uh, that run elections um, throughout uh, the United States to ensure that they have uh, political allies and cronies in what were formerly nonpartisan positions, uh, folks who'd be willing to certify uh, election results that aren't valid or call into question results that that are. Uh, at the same time, you've got a, a very dangerous case winding its way through the Supreme Court right now, testing um, something, an esoteric name called the Independent State Legislative Doctrine. Um, mm -hmm. But the, the upshot of that is if it goes the way Republicans want it to, um, it would state effectively that electoral outcomes can be determined um, by state legislatures, uh, which is something we should be concerned about, given that 30 of them uh, are in Republican control and also filled with uh, with election deniers. So, you know, there are numerous uh, disparate groups um, on the right that are that are contributing to this effort. But I have never in my lifetime seen at, at the highest levels of the party um, a, a sanctioning of a questioning of the validity of the the American um, mechanics uh, of elections, um, and this is something we should all be, I think, truly, truly frightened about. So I was very impressed with Arena's work. Um, I have been with Arena's work. The organization you're the managing partner of Arena, and in partnership with uh, the State Projects, mm -hmm. States Project, um, you have been focusing not on the big ticket sexy races, right? But on what you call down ballot races. Why? Because these races uh, and state legislative races in particular are absolutely critical to the rights and freedoms that Americans enjoy absolutely every day. I think a lot of folks with the Supreme Court's recent decision in Dobbs have woken up to the importance of state legislatures because all of a sudden now they realize that reproductive rights and freedoms are going to be determined on a state-by-state -state basis. But that's true for so many things. It's true for voting rights. It is true for laws related to gun violence prevention. It is true for climate change policy. And Republicans now, over a 40-year period, have really heavily invested in these down-ballot races. Uh, they control 
30, the state legislatures of 30 different states uh, around the United States, which, which means they control the rights and freedoms uh, that individuals in those states in- enjoy. And so what we're doing with the States Project is um, heavily investing in three states, uh, Arizona, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, where Democrats don't currently have the majority, but it's actually within reach this year. So we're just a handful of seats away in in Arizona and Michigan. In in Pennsylvania, it's 12, but they're actually new fair maps there that make winning those 12 seats possible. And, And our theory of change is that if we can get Democratic control in those state legislatures, um, it's going to do a lot to help us advance a democratic agenda. But going back to something that I mentioned a few minutes ago, it's also going to serve as a really important backstop in case anyone in these swing states wants to question the validity of a 2024 presidential election. Right. Uh, now I want to f- come back and focus on those states in just a second, but you did mention that Republicans now control, what, 30 out of 50 states? Correct. Right. How did they get there? I mean, it didn't just happen by accident, right? Was this a deliberate strategy on the part of the Republican Party? It's it's a very deliberate strategy, a a slow and methodical strategy to win seats, to gain control, to have control in census years, because in most states, it Ah. is the state legislature and right. not an independent body that draws district lines. So then to have control, draw lines that ensure that they will maintain control uh, in most places uh, indefinitely, and then use that power to enact an agenda that is um, anti-democratic, and, and that's small d democratic. Um, and I say that because the policies that they're pushing are not popular with the majority of Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you look at two things, uh, just two issues that are in the news a lot. One, um, abortion. Uh, most Americans believe that women should have a right to choose. And if you look at something like gun violence prevention, uh, most individuals believe in our country by, by overwhelming uh, majority uh, that there should be universal background checks. Uh, In both of these areas, Republican state legislatures are pushing policy in the opposite direction against the will uh, of their own voters, but they're able to do it because they've won power and then changed the rules so that they retain power. Right. This goes back to, uh, I guess, Karl Rove, right? It was was Red Map, is that what they called when they started this? Uh, you know, I, I, I believe, I believe so. Um, and and, you know, it, it also frankly goes to the fact that Republicans have been willing to invest in what I will call party infrastructure for a really long time. Uh, picking up on something you said a few minutes ago, Democrats seem to have a, a bit of a shiny, pretty object problem. <laughs> you know, we, we, we like to fall in love with our candidates. We, we love someone who is smooth and charismatic and, and gives us hope. And, uh, you know, as a former candidate myself, I know the importance of a good candidate. Um, but candidates come a- and go. 
And if we invest only in campaigns and not in the infrastructure on the ground that stays uh, after November, whether candidates win or lose, uh, we put ourselves um, at a a disadvantage. And Republicans have been very shrewd in that way in recognizing um, that the goal, the ultimate goal, isn't what happens any given November. It's what happens 10, 20, 30 years out. And all of a sudden, they're seeing the the fruits uh, of that quiet labor now. They've got a supermajority on the Supreme Court. Um, They've got, as I said, control in 30 state legislatures. And on account of this, they are able to push policies uh, on the American people that otherwise never would pass. Uh, I just have to say, as a former state Democratic chair of California, you are singing my song. <laughs> that was the argument that I made as state chair, that we had to build party infrastructure in California in between elections, uh, recruiting candidates, training candidates, doing voter registration, messaging, and all of that uh, in between. And um, so uh, that's why I'm so excited by by okay. your work. And by the way, it paid off in California. Look, California basically now is the bluest of states, right? It, it it did pay off. And, you know, it, it's interesting that you mentioned state party infrastructure. I mean, I remember as, as a candidate in, in Florida in a, in a deep purpley red swing district in, in 2018, launching my campaign and asking, where is the party infrastructure <laughs> that I can plug into? Who are the organizers that are already on the ground doing the voter registration, mobilizing uh, our communities. And the answer that I got was that will be built when the coordinated campaign gets stood up. Well, you know, if you're a state like Florida and your primary election is late August, you're talking about trying to build all of that infrastructure in the last two months before an election. Doesn't work. And it, it simply does not work. It has failed for Democrats over and over again, and, it, and it's time to try something different. And, and that's what we're doing in ARENA. Do you think the DNC gets it? Are, are they uh, you know, using any resources for down-ballot races? Uh, you know, the, 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 the DLCC um, is doing, I think, an excellent job this year of, of trying to draw attention um, to to down ballot races and the critical importance of them. Um, but it, it, Lauren, let me yeah. just uh, make sure uh, that I and the rest uh, and all of our listeners understand Democratic Legislative DLCC. Democratic Legislative Campaign Committee, and right, thank you thank for you. Thank, thank you for calling me out on uh, <laughs> using too many acronyms here. So uh, you know there are different bodies within the the party infrastructure, yeah. and the DLCC is the one that is responsible for trying to elect state legislative candidates. Right. Uh, they've always been treated a little bit, I think, like the the redheaded um, stepsister, uh, <laughs> you know, compared to the the bigger bodies that work to elect uh, congressional and, and Senate candidates. But you know, folks are starting to wake up this year to the importance of this. But but the resourcing differences are still vast. And what I would also say is, is that while the party certainly recognizes, at least in theory, 
the importance of building long-term power, uh, year-round organizers, like you mentioned, people who are going to do voter reg in the on-year, but in the off-year too, the incentives aren't really there for them Mm -hmm. to do that. Um, Because the focus year over year always is on what's the next November going to look like? How do we win seats? And I I think that's why you've seen um, so much reliance uh, on the Democratic side in smaller organizations uh, like our own in filling in those gaps um, that the party uh, has left um, because we see our work um, fundamentally as long-term. We, we hope there's a return uh, on investment uh, this November and the November afterwards. But, but we think with an eye to a, you know, a 10, 20-year plan uh, about building power on the left um, that will enable us to ultimately deliver policies for the American people. Uh, how long have you been around and, and do you have any success you can point to that shows, um, hey, look, this works? Yeah. So, so Arena is a new organization, fairly new. Um, like so many organizations, we mm-hmm. were born um, after Donald Trump's uh, election and, and Arena initially um, made a name for itself in the 2018 cycle. Um, getting behind uh, a lot of candidates uh, early who were working to flip um, important congressional seats around the country, folks uh, like Lauren Underwood, for example. Um, The work that we're doing uh, on the state legislative level, though, is is actually even newer uh, than that. It it started post-2018 when we started taking a a bigger look at resourcing uh, within the party on the left and and realized that these kind of races were were radically under-resourced. And we also realized at the same time that there was a ton of investment in candidates uh, the way that we had in in the first two years of our organization, um, but relatively paltry investment in recruiting and training staff. Um, particularly diverse staff who looked like the communities people were running in, who represented the the broad coalition of of Democrats. And so that work is newer on our part. Um, But what I think we have to show for it is um, 6,500 people that we have trained since the beginning of 2019. Uh, The majority of them women, the majority of them people of color, uh, more than 25% self-identify as, as LGBTQ+. Plus. Um, so we're, we're changing the pipeline of who is entering politics. Um, we've built up a team that works on not just training folks, but actually getting them jobs and keeping them in jobs because there's a, a real problem on the Democratic side that you train an organizer, they work for, for six or eight months, and then they go off to do something else. Uh, and you got to train someone new. So we have a team that focuses on bridging people from one job to the next, one cycle to the next. And then we've switched to these down-ballot investments. Uh, and here I want to talk about what we did in Virginia last cycle, because yeah. we yeah. worked with the, the House Democratic Caucus there. Um, we identified um, seven seats. Uh, five of them were incumbent protects. Two were flips. And on each of those seats, what we did is we added one additional staffer where we at Arena had trained the staffer and we fully paid for their salary and benefits. Wow. So Uh small investment, $25,000 
per race. Uh, you know, you could spend that on three minutes of airtime in the last yeah, week yeah. of an election. But these were races that were decided by a few hundred votes, most of them. We won three of the incumbent protects outright. The other one, uh, we lost in, in a recount by less than, than 200 votes. And so I think the, the thesis coming out of that and why we're trying to scale this program is that individual people can make a difference in terms of turning out voters, getting victories in these down-ballot races, which end up ultimately being so important in determining the rights that, that people enjoy in that state. Right. So important. Now, I want to ask you, um, let's have to take a quick break here. Uh, but when we come back, I want to ask you, basically, how far down the rabbit hole you go? I mean, what kind of what kind of seats? We've talked state legislature, but what other uh, posts uh, that you might that you think are important and you might be involved in? Uh, so uh, hold on there, Lauren, and we'll be right back here on the Bill Press Pod with today's guest. Well, today's podcast, of course, we're talking with Lauren Baer, the managing partner of Arena. And my pitch to you today is to join Arena and help them in their mission. It's so important. Their mission, as they put it on their website, is to convene, train, and support the next generation of candidates and campaign staff, especially, again, in those down-ballot races, Secretary of State, State Legislature, election officials, school boards, even county sheriffs. They need our help. There are lots of ways you can participate. Please go to their website, arena.run, arena.run. Find out what they're up to and sign up to help any way you can. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs. A gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we're back. Thank you again for being with us today. Very important conversation about uh, election priorities, particularly looking not so much at the big races for U.S. Senate or for United States Congress, but for those important down-ballot races. Our guest today, 
Lauren Baer, who was herself a, a Democratic candidate for Congress in Florida and is now managing partner of Arena, arena.run. So, Lauren, as I mentioned before the break, when you when you look across the landscape, right, it, it, you you can almost count it, the big donors are going to give big bucks that they can, right, to somebody running for Senate or Congress or president, right? Um, they sort of ignore the state legislative races, but how far down, what other races, what other posts do you think are important that uh, we ought to be looking at, looking at that could make a difference? Uh, the, the short answer I'm going to give you, Bill, is all of them. <laughs> um, I, I think if you've been vaguely aware of the political news over the past year or so, you've seen how Republicans have very effectively weaponized um, local offices that yep. that used to be seen as, as as nonpartisan and not get a ton of attention. Yep. Look, for example, at school board races, uh, yeah. which, uh, you know, in most places uh, are, are still nonpartisan. Um, this is supposed to deal with education policy. I think there was a time when you were mostly electing actual educators um, or education adjacent folks uh, to these roles. And um, a, a decision was made uh, on the right um, to, to politicize this and, and use this as, as a tool to become kind of a bludgeon um, in, in the culture wars. Uh, Dems have been slow uh, on the mm -hmm. uptake there. And what we've seen is a very rapid, rapid takeover of um, school boards uh, by, by partisan, uh, and not just partisan, but very far right uh, Republicans, a lot of attention uh, in Florida again to the success of the 30 school board candidates uh, that Ron DeSantis hmm. uh, endorsed again in nonpartisan wow. races, yeah. um, but were, were able to win and are, and are fundamentally shifting um, education policy. Uh, same thing I would say applies to uh, positions like supervisors of elections, uh, yep. county mm -hmm. clerks. Um, roles that are really traditionally thought of um, as administrative. Um, you make sure that an election runs smoothly. You're responsible for overseeing the, the counting of ballots. Um, but at a time when there are uh, these, these flagrant uh, allegations that elections are being conducted fraudulently, um, you put partisans uh, in those positions um, and they start looking for problems um, where they don't exist um, and validating uh, conspiracy theories. And so what in 2020 looked like recounts happening uh, in a number of states, which ultimately resulted in certification of the results uh, as, as they actually were showing Joe Biden as a winner with different people in those offices in 2024, um, those so-called recounts uh, could look like things that, that yield very different um, results. And, and so I think it is time, you know, that we start paying attention to how we are resourcing these races, who we are, are putting uh, in all of the seats and, and the attention we are, are paying to every office, uh, you know, not just the level of presidency in federal offices, but all the way down. I saw recently uh, NPR reported that there are 20 uh, secretary of state candidates across the country 
who are outright election deniers. Yep. Uh, they certainly, uh, again, that's an office uh, like in California, it was always considered this where Jerry Brown started. He bounced from there to become governor. But most people considered that's just a routine administrative office that made sure that the ballots got out and got back and were counted, right? And uh, these people see their office of secretary of state uh, as having a lot more influence, per, uh, per, pernicious influence when it comes to the democratic process. Correct. And, and that should terrify folks. And and I think the message that I want to convey to anyone who's listening, who is a voter, is we really have one shot to push back against that. And, and that's this November. Um, because once these folks are in office, once they have power, they are not giving it up. If you are electing someone who has denied the results of a free and fair election, they've already said the quiet part out loud. They are telling you that they are not interested in a fair democratic process. They're interested in gaining and retaining power. And American democracy took a long time to build, uh, but it can take a very short period of time to evaporate. And we should all uh, be on high alert and, and be very engaged um, this year if we want to see the democracy that we've all come to rely on continue to flourish. Uh, in terms of other offices, um, I just, just scrolling through the internet the other day noticed that one uh, right-wing organization, I believe out West, has started what they call a sheriff's project, right? The running candidate for right-wing candidates, extreme right-wing candidates for sheriff. Um, is this something your organization has looked at at that level as well? So, so we haven't done a detailed look at at the, the sheriff's races yet. What, what I'll say, Bill, is what we do overall is train people and then try to place them in races in their communities, which they know are important. And what we do in our trainings is we hammer home on this idea that it's not just the big sexy races that need staff. In fact, it is perhaps more important that you are looking at a state legislative race, at a school board race, at a city council race, at a sheriff's race, because those are the races um, that are under-resourced. And one thing that, that we offer at Arena is something called our Arena Careers website. This is completely free. Anyone who wants to work in politics, be an organizer, can join. They can build a profile. And on the other side, anyone who is hiring, whether you're a candidate for sheriff or a candidate for Senate, can put up a job description and get connected to the best talent out there. And so what we really try to encourage folks to do is, is cast a wide net in terms of the places that they're thinking about working uh, to consider a broader range of races than they normally would, because we know that these are all um, so fundamentally important. Uh, and I want to ask you also about, I mean, it is a, I could say a top level, but governors, uh, extremely important. You were mentioning uh, the issues like abortion, particularly after the Dobbs decision, climate change, gun rights, voting rights, uh, gun safety. Uh, in many states, 
it's the, the governor, the governor with the state legislature being on the extreme right. Uh, take Wisconsin, right? It's Tony Evers is the only person standing between the extreme right-wing MAGA agenda uh, and uh, some sense of stability or sanity in the state of Wisconsin. And that's true in, in several states. So um, governor's race, still also part of your program? Uh, we are actively working on on staffing people on governor's races a- as well. Basically, you know, Bill, if there is a race in the country that is looking for staff, if they're looking for people on their team to do the work, we are avail- available as as a source uh, of talent. Um, we're particularly we're paying people ourselves uh, only in these handful of state legislative races because we're a small organization with a relatively small budget compared to a lot of these big political organizations that operate. But we're moving people and 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 helping to place people in, in races uh, all around the country at all levels. And what you said about governors' races is. So right, um, you know, if you've got Republican control at the state legislative level, a Democratic governor um, and their veto power is often the only thing that is standing uh, between that state legislature and and really bad policy. Um, and conversely, if you have unitary control, something like you have in Florida, um, you can see governors exercising a really frightening. Um, degree uh, of power. Look just at at how Ron DeSantis has pushed uh, a far right-wing agenda, not only through legislative action, but also through um, executive actions um, that in previous years would would have been, uh, you know, roundly questioned um, in in the courts, but are, are, you know, finding their way um, into actually being enacted. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, I remember uh, I worked in the state legislature as a chief of staff to a state senator in California. And I remember at the time we used to call states the laboratories of democracy. <laughs> uh I wonder if that's, I don't think that's true in a lot of states anymore, I guess is what I want to say. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it's a, it's a little bit more like a, you know, laboratories of, of autocracy. Um now, uh, I, I, I might be borrowing the, the name of David Pepper's book there, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but, you know, states can, can experiment uh, in good ways, um, and they can also be the canary in the coal mine uh, for really potentially um, negative changes uh, nationwide. And... What we have seen over the last several years is, is an increasing push on the state level for policies that are very out of step with where the majority of citizens are, but that that make their way uh, into law um, because Republican majorities uh, are are so enshrined and hard to to vote our way out of. Um, and, and that's a, it's a very dangerous position to to be in. And again, um, you know, when I when I think about the listeners out there, uh, I know some folks are inclined to think that when you talk about uh, declining democracy or threats to democracy, that you are being alarmist. Um, but mm. I, I can't emphasize enough that a, a broader view, a historical view, a global view shows 
just how easy it is for democracies to backslide, for them to fail. And the United States is is not immune from that trend. We have been very, very fortunate over the history of our country that we've been able to have peaceful transitions of power, that we've been able to hold on to this form of governance. Um, But these are very alarming trends we are seeing right now. And we should not assume that we are so different um, from everywhere else that democratic backsliding can't occur here. Uh, And this is a time uh, for us to decide, as the president again said last week in Philadelphia, uh, this is our inflection point with democracy. We either move forward or we move backward. Uh, And it's up to us. So, so important, uh, I believe, Lauren, uh, the work that you're doing, the Democratic Party is way, way, way behind in focusing on these important uh, down ballot raises all the way down, as you point out, down to school boards and even sheriffs, but certainly secretaries of state, governor's races and state legislative seats. Uh, If people want to get involved and help you, uh, how can they find you and how can they do so? Uh, Thanks for asking, Bill. You can find us online at arena.run. If you are interested in getting involved yourself, you can learn there about all of the latest trainings we are offering so you can get into the arena yourself. Uh, And if you are looking to to make a difference otherwise, if you got a few dollars to give, uh, you can visit arena.run slash donate uh, and help our work uh, supporting these important uh, down-ballot races uh, around the country so that, that Democrats can build power for the long term. Yep, I checked out the website. It's very clear. It's very easy to where to sign in and for, for whatever, uh, however you want to participate. Uh, and it's so, so important. Well, Lauren, we have two, but just about two months to go. So uh, it's time that everybody uh, get to work. And we appreciate so much your leadership in this area. And thanks for joining us today uh, on the Bill Press Pod. Thanks so much for having me, Bill. And that's it for today's podcast with Lauren Baer from Arena, arena arena.run. Thanks to Lauren and to the good folks at Arena for all their great work. And thanks to all of you for joining us again. We'll be back on Friday with our Reporters Roundtable, which I know you all look forward to. The Senate is back in session this week after the Labor Day recess uh, with a possible big vote on codifying same-sex marriage. That's a big test for these Senate Republicans. Uh, So we'll take a look at that and anything else in the news this week from Washington with our Reporters Roundtable on Friday. Meanwhile, uh, take care of yourselves. uh, Keep cool. (laughs) End of the summer. And then come back and see us on Friday for Reporters Roundtable. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.